You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent to Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal. Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine assholes at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call, 347-766-4323. That's 347-WHO-HEAD. Or follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Lady Diagnosis or at DRScottWM. This is our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. So a couple of things. One thing I want to talk about, um, the intro you know, I was thinking, you know, for the SiriusXM show, it makes sense for us to have a standard intro. Mm-hmm. For the podcast, maybe not so much, because I notice when I've got, like, if I listen to DC on screen, uh, I skip over the, you know, I've heard their their intro so many times, I just skip over it. And I wonder if people are doing that with ours, too. So, listen, if you're listening to this, just drop me an email at um, weirdmedicine at riotcast.com or... Um, or you can do, um, I don't know, what other email? Oh, you know what? You can just go to drsteve.com and click contact. Mm-hmm. Drop me a note. Would you rather just have a shorter intro? We could still use the same music, but I'll just cut in way, way, way sooner. But I love that Sherwin Sleeves music so much. And, it's you know, fabulous. have you watched that show Patriot yet? So I got to tell you, we just finished the second season. That's the best fucking show I've seen in a long time. Well, you know, time. the guy that wrote our theme song writes that show. I know it's just. Did you know away. that? It, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because we, yeah. we talked about it. Uh, one okay. Of, okay. Yeah, one but it's incredible. Yeah. And that's what I was. Second going season to. was the best by oh, far. Oh my When he's God. singing, I, people who haven't watched it don't know what the hell we're talking about. But when he's singing those songs, telling you exactly what he's getting ready to do, mm-hmm. I guess I'm gonna have to kill this guy. And you know, it's so great. Yeah, I met John in a bar the night. He was yeah. a nice dude. Yeah, I hated to have to I kill him. I hated to kill him, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope his that is such care. a brilliant show, and I I figured those songs as they got weirder and weirder were probably more often than not written by Sherwin Sleeves, aka Sean Hurley. And if you want to see one of the the other funniest things he's ever done, in my opinion, is go on Minecraft or go on YouTube and watch um, Sherwin Sleeves plays Minecraft. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, if you've ever played Minecraft, and if you haven't, get your kids who have, um, because they will die laughing. Yeah, okay, it's called Let's Play Minecraft with Sherwin Sleeves. Let's see here if I can. Um... So it starts off with him in this hole. Select world. Yeah, select world. The world, new world. And all it says is new world, it's new world. the same. See. See. I don't know what any of this is. So we'll just. Okay, so yeah. he, he immediately gets oh. killed. <laughs> and, there, and there are slimes. And they're jumping at him, and he thinks they're his friends. What are these things? Get away from me. (laughs) And he died again. (laughs) What is this game? (laughs) Okay, I'll let you watch it yourself. It's more visual. 
Well, you need the combination of visuals and um, and <laughs> that's funny. This sort of clueless old man trying to play Minecraft because it is the most mindless game anyway. Mm-hmm. You know. But anyway, I was just wondering though if I would love to get the words lyrics to that those songs that he does just because yeah. you know the second I'd like season, to have an album of those songs they're great songs well you know and the, the cool thing was the second se- season they started playing the they started putting the words uh, you know subtitling okay to a lot of those songs which is kind of fun oh, I always that, watch TV with the subtitles yeah, on anyway it was man that was, yeah, it was great. we started doing that with uh, Sons of Anarchy when they went to Ireland we couldn't understand uh, they were whispering and they were speaking with these heavy Irish accents, mm. like we can't understand anything you're saying, mm. so we started watching TV with the subtitles on. Now like we were like a couple of old folks in the <laughs> nursing home, and uh, we always watch stuff with the subtitles on. That's a good idea. Yeah, so people so, people should check it out. But anyway, yeah, check out Patriot. Patriot on um, Netflix. Uh, no, 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 no. It's Something Amazon like Prime, isn't it? Yeah, it was Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon yeah, Prime. You're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. Check it Apologize. out. Yep. And if you're any fan of Sherwin Sleeves at all, uh, watch for his name in the credits. It was awesome. Um, Steve Conrad writes the. I mean, he's the showrunner, hardest working dude in the business. Um, he wrote the shows with the help of our buddy, and um, directed all of the episodes. And they were all over the place. They were in Paris and all. You know, just it's, it's an amazing show and it's an amazing creation. Because even Vince Gilligan on Breaking Bad, everybody else directed those. He'd direct the first and last episodes, but other people would direct the ones in between a lot of times. Mm, okay. And uh, But he directed every single thing. So it's his creation from the beginning to the end. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Good stuff. Even Brian Koppelman can't claim that. Hmm. Who's that? He's the guy that um, did Rounders, and he... Um, is the showrunner, uh, producer, writer for uh, Billions on Showtime. Okay. It's a great show. And he's uh, Jenny Hutt's brother. Hmm. So that's how I kind of know him. And um, But anyway. Hmm. Cool. All right. Anyway. All right. Um, uh, oh, let's talk about this for a second. Noom. Not a sponsor of the show. Right. I'm a huge fan. My Noom app has allowed me to lose 14 pounds so far, and uh, I'm on my way to losing 28, so I'm halfway to my goal. And it's um, I'm not going to say it's been effortless, but it has been a lot easier than I thought. And the thing I like about this is they're cool with whatever you want to do. I mean, if you want to do paleo, you can do it. You could just do it the Noom way. You can do uh, a vegan diet. You could do whatever. Their thing is... It's not about the diet. This is not a diet. This is a way of changing your relationship with food through psychology. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so what, what's the biggest difference between that Noom and anything else you've ever tried? Um, it, that it's really based on psychology. It's like, you know, if you – because my wife, when before she did it, all the things that she said were all things that they covered in different segments of the Noom thing. So you have an app. Mm-hmm. And every day there are articles that you read mm-hmm. and little th- quizzes that you take. And then you um, get on your group. You have a group. And then you, uh, like, you take your assignment and you put it on there. It's, it doesn't, it takes you 10 minutes a day. It's okay. no big deal. But the articles will talk about thought distortions, like, I can't do this, or I always fail, or, you know, I can never eat that food, things like that. They say, that's all, those are all thought distortions. We need to get rid of those hmm. and start changing the habits. And habits take a certain Time. number of weeks. Sure they do. So uh, this, I, you know, it's 10 bucks less than Weight Watchers, and I think you get more out of it. Plus, instead of dealing with points, they just deal with calories. And that's a lot easier. I went to uh, Cheddar's today, and I was looking at their salary, uh, salads, and they just had them posted in calories. Well, I know what my caloric requirement is for the day. And hell, some of their salads would have put me over the edge. Oh, I mean, well, they've got Caesar salads with pasta in them and sure. this and that and all kinds of stuff that run the caloric uh, uh, value up. And... Um, you know, so it was really helpful to me. Whereas if I had been on Weight Watchers, no flies on Weight Watchers, it's very effective. Sure, very effective. Yep. Uh, one of the only uh, system commercial systems out there that's been scientifically validated to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, but I believe Noom will be another one. They, uh, you know, I wouldn't have known how many points any of those things were. Right. So how many, how many calories are you taking in to, on a daily Well, my basis? goal is 1,400. Okay. So I was probably eating 2,300 before, and I usually come in under that. Wow. You know, um, because, you know, I'd, I, I want to, I'm really taking it seriously. And sure. then what I would do, this is the, this is what an idiot I am. Um, and I, I would go, like, if I went to Cheddar's, they have those Wisconsin cheese bites. Mm-hmm. I'd eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's like 1,800 calories <laughs> right there. Right. And then I would eat a meal. Sure. Or, and I was compulsively eating, they call it fog eating, uh, is one of the things where I would just eat and just be, not be aware that I was doing it. Right. And uh, so I am now acutely aware of what I'm putting in my mouth. Have you not been around me enough all these years to know mindful eating? No, I know. Well, my, I'm my, I am mindful, but I wasn't, oh. like if I was cooking, yeah. I'd be distracted cooking, and then I would just be shoving a bag of chips sure. in my fat face. Shoveling is the word. And then wondering why I was fatter than I've ever been in my life. And just shoveling shit in. Mm-hmm. Halloween, eat, Halloween candy. Well, I'll just eat four. Well, then I go back and, well, I'll just, you know, shit, let me just take a whole handful. And that'll be all I'll eat. That'd be another five. And by the time I was done, I would have eaten a whole bag. Mm, okay. Now, one of the incentives on this is my group, not my group leader. Well, my group leader is too, but I don't correspond with her as much. But my individual counselor the, her picture is like this crazy hot one right oh, of course and it's it not is. like i think i've got a shot with her or anything mm. but i don't want to disappoint her <laughs> by telling her that i ate a whole bag of snickers you oh, know gosh. so i just don't do it since i started this because of the accountability <laughs> i haven't done anything wow so i'm trying to get them to be sponsors of this show because i it's something i can actually believe in you know right on 14 pounds so, that's a lot for you yeah that's yeah not bad yeah yeah, I feel good. I mean, people have noticed, and I'm going for another 14. I want to get down to my ideal body weight, which is 155. Seems low for you. Nah, it's not. I yeah. I got a lot of shit you can't see. That's cool. So, and you'll add an inch to your penis. That's right. Add That's a right. penis of of uh, or a penis of inch length, an inch of penis length <laughs> through Doctor Steve's formula, which says uh, you gain one inch of penis for every 35 pounds of weight that you lose. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. I might even just shave it all down so you can see it in all its glory. Not there you, you but I mean, when I say you, I'm talking, you know, <laughs> using that as a neutral pronoun. But anyway, <laughs> all right. You ready to answer some questions? Let's do it, Dr. Steve. Hey there. I was wondering uh, what, what you guys would uh, think of, because you're talking about things that uh, can be measured in science. And um, I'm wondering, you know, like about energy fields, what, what would you come up with, like, you know, things like the idea and feeling of love or inspiration or something on those lines? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so bioenergy fields and love fields and inspiration, how do we measure these things? Um, so what we were talking about is um, people who perform some sort of quote-unquote alternative modality. Let's let's say therapeutic touch. That's a good example. <clears throat> so therapeutic touch is a misnomer because you don't actually touch the people. You wave your hands over them and 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 they supposedly feel better and if you talk to the practitioners that do this they'll say that they're modifying or some of them will. They're modifying the patient's bioenergy fields. And I just challenge people Let's measure those fields because you can't, because they don't exist. And um, there are field – we have a a lot of field equations in physics that describe the model that we use to explain things like electrons and – uh, gravity or, you know, the Higgs boson, those kinds of things. It's not the particle that's interesting. It's the field. Because when you see an electron, it's actually a perturbation of the electromagnetic field that permeates all of existence. And uh, when we see the Higgs boson, what we're really doing is perturbing the Higgs field uh, that imparts um, mass to small particles. 
and uh, and and we're just seeing this perturbation of that field, and so we can see it expressed in our universe as a particle. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting, if you want to take a quick diversion and talk about uh, the Higgs field, uh, people say, well, the proton and the neutron, they get their mass from the Higgs field. Actually, it's not 100% true. The gluons... Oh, well, not, no, it's, uh, sorry, the quarks that are inside uh, the uh, proton and the neutron because they are not fundamental particles. They are particles made up of uh, three quarks. And uh, these quarks are interesting because they have um, fractional charge. So you may have a two-third plus a two-third and then a negative one-third charge. So four-thirds minus one is three-thirds, so that'll give you a plus-one charge. Um, and uh, if you could have um, – you can also do co- combinations of these where you end up with a neutral particle that has no charge at all. So uh, uh, – and so the Higgs boson or the Higgs field will impart mass to those particles, but they're tiny. It's tiny mass. The – Majority of the mass of the proton and the neutron uh, comes from a relativistic mass, and it's because the strong force is so strong that the binding energy is so high that that uh, to to keep these particles to get to the quarks together, and then to bind those uh, the proton to other neutrons and other protons and stuff when they should be repelling each other, at least in, as far as the protons are concerned. Um, all of that energy that's caused to hold these uh, particles together is actually what imparts the vast majority of the mass of the proton and the neutron. Uh, through, and we can judge that uh, mass energy equivalence through Einstein's E equals mc squared. And as long as uh, the particle is at rest, uh, that will apply. If it's moving, then you have to add other factors, you know, to that equation. But when it's at rest, uh, the the um, um, uh, oh gosh, um, the momentum uh, part of that equation uh, goes to zero because if it's at rest, there's no momentum. And uh, then you and E equals mc squared falls out. So anyway, just fascinating. But uh, so we have these fields and we know they exist. You can't just go in and go, well, let me measure that, ele- the permeating electromagnetic field, not easily anyway. Uh, uh, so uh, we can certainly measure uh, uh, electromagnetic fields uh, at waves uh, very easily. Matter of fact, you're doing that right now if you're listening to me on the radio because um, radio waves are – uh, uh, consist of electromagnetic magnetic waves, and they're at right angles to each other. And if you may be aware of this, or you may not, if you move an electrical field, you will make a magnetic field. If you move a magnetic field, you'll make an electrical field. And so, as these um, the magnetic field increases, right, and then you'll get an increase in the electromagnetic field, and these things will be uh, out of phase with each other. And then as uh, the one increases, the other one uh, um, will increase, and then they'll uh, decrease. And uh, so as the, electromag- the electrical field increases, then the magnetic field will decrease and then vice versa, and they'll just propagate to infinity, um, uh, slightly out of phase with each other, but in a very uh, um, uh, mathematically uh, describable way. So anyway, and that was Maxwell's genius. You know, of all the geniuses of the world, James Clerk Maxwell ranks up there. And, you know, his equations look so simple on the surface, but they were very subtle at the time. And uh, he, uh, just through pure mathematics, figured out that light must be an electromagnetic wave because he saw that uh, he calculated that um, his electromagnetic, he, he, Maxwell did the first grand unification where he unified electricity with magnetism. They knew they were related. They just didn't know how. And he uh, um, uh, unified them to a a theory of electromagnetism. 
And when he did that, he saw that there would be this wave that would propagate through space uh, uh, at the speed of light. It just worked out. It was exactly the speed of light. So he said that light must be an electromagnetic wave. And, uh, of course, uh, since then we've we've learned some more interesting things that actually light can also, if you do the test right, can uh, appear as a particle called the photon and uh, that has both wave and particle-like properties. And um, it just depends on what experiment you set up, whether you measure them as waves or particles. Anyway, so um, where the hell was I? See, this is when I need Dr. Scott here to get me uh, reoriented to what I was talking about. Oh, bio bioenergy fields. So um, not aware of any bioenergy fields, never been measured. Uh, no physicist can develop a machine to measure these things. Uh, there are people that say, oh, we have – uh, yes. Oh, no, but we do. We have uh, uh, things that will measure bioenergy fields and they're just put um, voltmeters and stuff. So, yeah, we have voltages in our body. Our heart works on a uh, an electrical principle that was developed long before James Clerk Maxwell figured out what electromagnetism was. Um, and so there is electricity in our um in our uh, um, uh, nerve cells and in our muscles, all of these things work by moving charged ions from one place to the other, and we would detect that as electricity. So, uh, but as far as a an intrinsic bioenergy field, no such thing. That's why we can't measure it. That's why when people say they're modifying your bioenergy field, you know that they're just making it up. Now, I do not disagree that things like therapeutic touch make people feel better. And uh, people don't like, for whatever reason, it's become a pejorative term, uh, their uh, modality, whatever it is that their favorite thing is where they're practicing medicine without having to go to medical school or osteopathic school. Um, They don't like it when we say it's a placebo effect. That's not a pejorative term. The placebo effect is exceedingly powerful, so powerful that we must subtract it from every uh, study on any drug or anything that we do has to be taken into account. So the placebo effect is very powerful. Uh, I have postulated in the national medical literature that we stop calling it the placebo effect if people don't like that and call it the cryptogenic therapeutic effect, which means it's therapeutic, we just don't know how. Um, by the way, there are uh, placebo negative effects, too. People will have adverse effects from the placebo as well. They'll call that the nocebo effect. But, um, you know, so if you, if you test for adverse effects for a drug, you have to take placebo effect into account there as well. So anyway... Uh, very interesting, and um, but that's why um, we we don't talk about bioenergy fields on the show because the, no one has ever been able to demonstrate them. All right, Doctor Steve, what's up, man? Happy New Year! Hey, man, all, thanks. All well, um, so I've been hearing a lot about the carnivore diet lately, and I really wanted to give it a shot. Um, originally heard about it through Chris Bell, um, then this guy, uh, Doctor Sean Baker. I listened to a couple things with him. Even this uh, Jordan Peterson, the Canadian uh, psychologist, supposedly follows it really strictly. My my question is, why why do vegetables not fit into this diet? You know, um, we've been told basically forever that broccoli, Brussels sprouts, green, you know, like healthy greens are almost vital to our health. Uh, so these guys that follow the diet strict, they pretty much eat red meat and drink water. So, if I, you know, if I wanted to give it a shot, cutting out stuff like broccoli, like stuff that's supposedly healthy, that's, it's, it's scary to me, I guess. And I, I basically just wanted to know from you the science, if you will, behind that yeah. and how, how it can, quote, unquote, be healthy without having healthy vegetables. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it's a great question. Um, look, I always get on the nutritionist's particularly uh, the ones that are just very dogmatic and um, will only discuss the party line in nutrition. And if we knew what the 
right diet was, the best quote unquote diet for everyone, if if there was one, we would know it. And if we knew it, we would tell you. And the reason that we can still argue about this stuff is because we are omnivores and we can eat a lot of different kinds of diets and do okay with them. Now, there is some um, evidence that the uh, vegan lifestyle offers some benefits. There's, uh, there is significant amount of evidence that the Mediterranean diet offers some benefits in some realms. There's also evidence <clears throat> that uh, the low-carb diet offers some benefits. I did a PubMed search on zero-carb diet, which is what the carnivore diet is. It's zero carbohydrates um, and could not find any uh, medical literature on long-term benefits, effects, or anything. Um, if I Look, and so until I see data – I'm, I feel like this is a uh, diet that is rife for malnutrition, and I'll tell you why. And if Sean Baker's listening, he can call in and we can discuss it. Um, th- there is um, uh, a lot of bene- – there are a lot of beneficial molecules and atoms in things like green leafy vegetables – that you will not get from just eating meat. Now, look, we were, we have sharp canine teeth, and we also have flat grinding teeth, which tells me, and there is evidence to this effect, that we um, uh, evolved as a species as omnivores. So carnivores have sharp teeth. Look at a kitty cat. And herbivores tend to have flat uh, teeth for grinding. And we have both. And um, so simply eating meat and becoming a carnivore um, removes fiber from your diet. It removes uh, certain um, vitamins and, uh, and other minerals from your diet. Uh, people will lose weight. I've seen people that did, quote-unquote, the Adkins diet who were just eating meat and um, bacon and mayonnaise and stuff. And by the way, Dr. Scott's joined us. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, howdy, Dr. Steve. Oh, you got some reverb hey, on you Dr. from uh, last oh, week. Oh, from last week, yeah. Um, so I've seen people do that, and they will lose weight. They'll lose all kinds of weight. And uh, they lose weight in my opinion, because they become malnourished. So if this um, Sean uh, Baker dude can uh, give me some data that will convince me that this actually makes sense, I'm going to continue to advocate lean animal protein and green leafy vegetables if you want to do a, a diet like this. Um, because no one can tell me that... Uh, you know, a spring mix salad with um, grilled chicken on it and, you know, some vinaigrette or whatever is unhealthy. You right. just can't do it. Right. Now, if you're a vegan or, you know, a strict vegetarian, then okay, then we can argue all the meat is, is, is a problem. You have to substitute it for something else. Dr. Scott is not a vegan. He is a pescatarian. Right. So... Um, He's not a complete nut, but no, it's, you know, the vegan diet has, does have some, um, med- medical benefits. No question about that. Sure. I have seen fat vegetarians mm-hmm. who eat a lot of potatoes and a lot of pasta and stuff. I've also seen malnourished vegetarians that don't get enough protein or aren't getting certain vitamins and minerals that, that they're missing by not eating any meat too. Mm-hmm. So. May I may I add a little? Of course. The, uh, I was we're, what we're talking about is a person called in about the carnivore diet. Okay. Yeah, the, it's kind of funny what you're talking about, though, Dr. Steve. Um, I was reading a book the other day, and they were talking about why they they did research on why some um, apes in captivity, they just fed them strictly the the um, the vegetarian diet, uh-huh. could not reproduce. And what they figured out was 
that when they started giving them animal protein, 6% of their diet, they could reproduce. Interesting. And they, and they started doing some research. It was pretty cool. I had no idea. Was what, it because of excess of estrogen from certain certain uh, legumes like uh, soy and stuff like that, or was it something else? To, uh, to, to a very minuscule um, degree, but the, the big thing was what they found was that in the wild when these, these animals are eating leaves and grass and stuff, mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're also getting some little bugs. And they're getting some little worms. They're getting little, little oh, yeah, animal sure, proteins. Yeah, yeah. this is only about six percent, but that 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 kicked it in. So, I'm a hundred percent agreement with you. I like lean lean meats. You know, lots of veggies. Um, eat your. I mean, yeah. there are people that advocate yeah. high fat diets, um, but when I see this, is what pisses me off, I'll see in the uh, medical literature they say, you know, the high fat. Uh, keto diet doesn't ketogenic diet does not have to be high fat a lot of people choose to eat more fat and there are those proponents out there that say you know fat's not the enemy which it isn't but um, uh, there's plenty of fat in lean animal protein already there's plenty you're not missing out on any Mm. significant essential fatty acids by eating lean animal protein. No, I think people just like to eat a lot of bacon. Well, they bacon do. It tastes good. good. <laughs> well, you got a big old ribeye and the big old chunks of fat in there. Wrapped with bacon. It's so good. There you go. <laughs> That's perfect. So, yeah, and uh, they've done studies on um, fat uh, in candy. Like they'll have chocolates and one will be low fat, high sugar, and one will be lower sugar and higher fat. And people will pick the higher fat one every time. Right. Now, this Sean Baker, this doesn't mean anything. This is from Everyday Health, and so I didn't have time to do in-deep research, but he's an orthopedic surgeon, major leader in the carnivore diet movement, and he authored a book uh, released in 2018 titled The Carnivore Diet. Apparently, his medical license has been revoked. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I saw that he had a YouTube thing saying, here's what happened to my medical license. I don't know anything about it. Um it said the New, Medi- New, New Mexico Medical Board ordered the voluntary and permanent surrender of his medical license in 2017. Um, but that may have nothing to do with the validity of his claims for the carnivore um, diet. Carnivore diet. Sure. Um, yeah. He, if you're interested in looking more, just go on YouTube. He's got a YouTube thing going on where he explains all of that. Hmm. So, uh, but I, yeah, I, I'm cool with low carb. I'm cool with ketogenic diet. Uh, uh, there are some known benefits to ketogenic diet. I could find no literature whatsoever on zero carbohydrate diet, and it just kind of goes against m- my intuition. Although some things are counterintuitive, mm. but it also goes against uh, my knowledge of nutrition when it comes to what's balance. in all the other stuff that and we balance, eat. You know. So, yeah, I just I uh, I can't recommend it. No. Doesn't mean it's bad, and I'm not saying he's an asshole or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't have any evidence that tells me that it's somehow better than a ketogenic diet that has a lot of green leafy vegetables in right. it. Adkins' original diet was not an all meat diet. It was a diet that was rich in green leafy vegetables, broccoli, spinach, you know, lettuce, that kind of stuff. And uh, lean animal protein. Mm. So, all right. So there, there you. I just don't know. No, I do know, but I don't. I I, I don't have evidence to back up my claim either. Now, well, if we get a bunch of people who are doing it, and then we see that they're dropping dead, or their cholesterol is going up, or who knows what, then yeah, maybe. Right. But uh, maybe it, we could make some claims to the adverse. I just don't see it. Doesn't sound sustainable, though. Doesn't that diet, that type of diet to me just doesn't sound sustainable? Yeah. Well, people know. have trouble sustaining ketogenic diet too. Sometimes. Oh heck yeah. yeah. You know. So, all right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dr. Steve. Yeah, man. Why do I get different blood pressure readings between my left arm and my right arm? And when should I be concerned 
if the numbers are drastically different? And what does that even mean, drastically different? Like how many points, uh, systolic, et cetera, should they um, Beautiful question. be not the same? Um, can't wait to hear the response on air. Thank you. Oh, we can't wait. Hey, cool. I hope it wasn't one of those... I'm getting back to you three years later, phone yes. calls, because yes. there are a bunch of those. Yeah. Now he's got a blood pressure of 280 in one arm and, and, and right, right, three right. in his other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're, the thing is, when you're doing it yourself, you may get varying blood pressure readings because if you're right-handed, you may be a little bit more facile putting that um, the uh, cuff on with mm. your right hand under your left arm than you are your left arm under your right, and particularly if you're doing it with a stethoscope. Mm. So have a, someone, an independent person who knows what they're doing. So get a professional. Do not do it in one of those machines at CVS or Walmart or wherever. Uh, you want a human being to do it with um, the um, uh, stethoscope in their ears. In a situation like this, even the machines that they have in the doctor's office aren't accurate enough for us to tell whether there's an issue. So you really want somebody to do it with their ears. Now, uh, 10 to 15 millimeters of mercury, that's how we measure. And, it, you know, it's like, well, it's just a dial. Where did that come from? Well, in the old days, we used to have these glass tubes. And uh, you can use water. You can use any fluid that has a downward, you know, the gravity is pulling it downward. Uh, and But we used to use mercury because it was heavier and you wouldn't have to have a tube that was 22 feet tall, mm-hmm. you know. You could measure this in millimeters. So, the uh, you know, the what, whatever, it, whatever pressure it takes to move that um, uh, column of mercury in this glass tube up 22, uh, you know, uh, it's X number of millimeters. So, mm-hmm. um, so a normal blood pressure is like 120 millimeters of mercury over 80 millimeters of mercury, okay? okay? And uh, the whole over and under number uh, has to do with when you first hear the sounds, mm-hmm. uh, when you're listening with the stethoscope. So the, the way you do I guess we probably ought to talk about this. So you put a cuff, and the cuff's got to be the right size. Right. If you're a big fatso, <laughs> then you got to use a thigh cuff because it's got to be wide enough to get good compression because if you use too small of a cuff on a big fat person, uh, they're going to read abnormally high. So the cuff's got to be the right size. Mm. And uh, then you put a stethoscope over uh, the artery in the in the antecubital fossa, or the, you know, the other side of the, uh, you know, where the bend of the Flexing elbow is. Part of the elbow, right. Right. And uh, you pump this thing up while you're looking at the, um, the dial or this column of mercury. Mm. And then you start to let the air out. So you pump it up high. Right. 200, 220. Least, yeah. Now, if you can hear blood pressure, if you can hear pumping there, you got a problem. So you got to pump it up even higher. You got to mm-hmm. pump it up till you can't hear anything anymore. Because yeah, it stops the blood flow. That's then, right. Then, you got to stop the blood flow. Right. Then you can hide up. And then you start to let the uh, bleed off very slowly, the pressure in the cuff. And then you're listening while you're watching the dial, and you'll see the dial start to descend. And if you start hearing sounds around 140, and you'll hear boom, 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 boom. Uh, and, and if it starts around 140, that's your top number. Mm-hmm. And then you could go down until you don't hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that's your bottom number. Right. Then that needle, okay. needle kind of starts to bounce. For yeah, you it starts to bounce around yeah, a little, yeah, and you, yeah. got to, you have to do it a bunch of times. Yeah. In medical school, we had to do it. Tons of times before we started getting accurate readings, mm-hmm. and then after a while, it just becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you're averaging that out because if that needle is bouncing, you got to average where did it was it in the middle when it hit. Right. So it might be 145, and then down to 130. You know, 135. Mm-hmm. So that'd be 140. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we measure that, um, and um, getting a reading consistent from side to side, given that it takes you a minute to go to the other side, and your blood pressure can vary up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, five millimeters of mercury, maybe 10, you know, uh, throughout the day when you stand up, it drops and then comes back up again, may overshoot. I mean, it's not something that's real constant. So uh, that may be the problem. So the the most accurate way to do this, have two people who are proficient at it and measure it at exactly the same time. But that's not really necessary. What we're looking for is a difference of less than 10 to 15 millimeters of mercury. If it's more than that, 
Then you start wondering, does this person have hardening of the arteries on one side or the other? Do they have what's called peripheral vascular disease? Um, uh, you know, is there some other issue that mm-hmm. there's a, maybe a blocked artery in the arm? Do they have diabetes? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything less than that's no big deal. What this guy sent me was his, um, uh, or he sent me his um, numbers. And they were really within two or three millimeters of mercury. Mm-hmm. So I think he's okay. But I said, just go and get a professional to do it, and then you'll sure. know for sure. Um, yeah, if you have blocked arteries in your arms, if you have um, um, fluid, too much fluid, like lymphedema or something. That yeah, where change. it's not able to accurately. Right. That could push through. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, there's a thing called coarctation of the aorta where you'll get a narrowing of the aorta. This is often congenital, so they'll diagnose this when you, you know, you're know you born with it, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Or uh, if it develops as, an, uh, as you get older, what you'll see there is you'll get different blood pressures in the upper extremities than the lower extremities because the pressure up above is normal or high because you know the aorta is able to pump to the arms and all that stuff. And then uh, as you descend and you get this narrowing of the aorta, now the pressure is going to be lower uh, below that, and so you'll get a very low reading below uh, the waist. And so, yeah, we can do thigh blood pressures. We can do ankle blood pressures. As a matter of fact, to determine if someone has a peripheral vascular disease, meaning narrowing of the uh, arteries in the hands and feet, we do a thing called an ankle brachial um, uh, uh, index. And what that is is basically the ratio between the blood pressure in the ankle versus the blood pressure in the arm. Mm. So, all right. So just uh, get a professional person using their ears to do your blood pressure on both sides and see what you get. If it's greater than 10 to 15 millimeters of mercury difference, then uh, that bears further investigation. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. I'm calling from uh, Buffalo, New York. I had a question for you. I'm 53 years old, and I'm seriously considering getting a vasectomy. Excellent. Um, I don't really have a uh, question about the procedure. Uh, My issue is that I have uh, have health insurance, but I have a $2,500 co- or deductible, I guess. So um, they will cover the vasectomy after the (laughs) $2,500. Is there anything that you know of? I I suppose being in New York, it would be a... A regional thing, but about getting vasectomies like on a uh, a cheaper, I guess, less expensive. I do see a couple things like um, MD Save or something like that, where they offer one for six hundred and thirty-six dollars, but you have to like go to Illinois or someplace for it. I was just wondering what your um, opinion on those were. I guess it would vary, you know, in the doctor and everything. But I didn't know if you had come across anything where there's something. yeah. Like a flat rate type thing or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Any information would be great. Um, I appreciate it and love the show. Okay, man. Hey, thanks. Um, highly recommend the vasectomy over the bilateral tubal ligation for women unless the woman is having a C-section and her gut is already cut open. Because when you do a uh, bilateral tubal ligation, which is where you tie the fallopian tubes of the woman to keep her from getting pregnant, you have to go through skin and then subskin and then the peritoneum and get actually into the abdominal cavity, peritoneum being the, the lining of the abdominal wall. Mm. And um, uh, it's a pretty invasive procedure, requires general anesthesia or at least spinal anesthesia. So um, whereas a vasectomy, I just did mine in my urologist's office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's local anesthesia. It's little teeny incision. Um, yeah, my, uh, uh, my urologist, who's a friend of mine, who I've known since he was in medical school, um, uh, forgot to tell me to prep my nuts. <laughs> so I go in, and he's like, oh, you didn't prep? It's like, well, nobody told me to. I didn't know. So he gets out this pink daisy razor, and he puts me up in what we call dorsal lithotomy position, which means that like you're getting a pap smear. And he takes this dry daisy razor and starts dry shaving my nutsack. He just scritch, 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 scritch while he's going, yeah, so how'd you like a Pacific Grill last night? You know, it was just really kind of unnerving. Uh, the procedure itself is pretty easy. When they, they prep it, it's cold, and when they numb you up, it it feels like they're sticking a needle in your nutsack for about a half a second, yep. and then it's gone. It's and a little then there's burn, a little burn, nothing. lidocaine, and that's it. Yep. It's it's all done. Yep. 
and well, until after the lidocaine wears off. Sure. <laughs> but um, the procedure, and, and don't fall for this no scalpel technique thing. They still use a scalpel. It's just not. They're not calling it that. They use scissors with a razor's edge on it, and so they're still cutting into your nutsack same way they do with scalpel. That is a marketing bullshit trick. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's still it's effective like anything else. And it's effective marketing, but uh, they still cut your nutsack. Cut your nutsack, yep. And uh, then they go in and uh, you know dissect out the the vas deferens, and uh, cut it, burn it, ligate it, whatever they got to do, fold it in on itself. And even then, sometimes the damn things will reconnect. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, this statistic blew me away. Thirty three percent of men never go back to get their sperm count done after you've had the after they've had the vasectomy. Mm. That's insane. Yeah. If you go through all this trouble, go ba- just give them a damn sperm count. Yeah, at least make sure you're good. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, because we had somebody on our Reddit on the subreddit. Um, if you are interested in looking at that, it's. Uh, you know, reddit.com slash r slash Dr. Steve, Dr. Steve. And we answer medical questions over there. Um, uh, he never got his checked. His wife got pregnant and he was wondering if it was some sort of shenanigans behind his back. And it's like, dude, you know, if you didn't get checked, you can't really say you didn't have sperm. <laughs> you know, he went and got checked after the fact. So, but anyway. It probably was malarkey, though, because oh. he had zero sperm count and when he went back. But you can't say it, Uh-oh. you know. Yeah. So it's a tough one. Um, uh, but now regarding the, the 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 question about payment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So so that's the procedure. Yeah. Uh, it's an in office procedure. It takes almost you know less than an hour to do. And you walk out of there and uh, you get, oh, by the way, let me recommend one thing they don't recommend. Get a, a catcher's cup, mm-hmm. you know, a jock strap with the, with the hard plastic cup. That saved me because mm-hmm. I could go to work. I couldn't bump into anything. I could even, you know, hit it with my right. fist and not have any pain. And don't uh, don't think you're so tough you can go back to work like I did. I was like, I'll just go back to work because I felt great. Yeah. When the when the lidocaine wears off, you will feel it. That shit doesn't feel good, and it does not feel good. But it's just, it's not horrendous, and it's just for a few days if yeah. everything goes well. A little so, bit of rest and a little bit of ice goes yep, a long way. Yep, yep. And he gave me a whole bottle of Percocet that I ended up throwing away because I think I took one of them, mm-hmm. which is. A whole other issue we can talk about, the overprescribing of pain medication after mm-hmm. some of these procedures. But anyway, um, so payment. Yeah. Call them. Say, yep. I'm cash. Look, if you're a cash-paying patient, they may make you a deal. Exactly, because that cuts a lot of the time and overhead off. Oh, yeah. They don't. They know they're getting paid for a procedure. They don't have to argue with the insurance companies. Because yeah. you're deductible. You're going to be cash paying anyway. There No yeah. vasectomy is going to cost 2500 bucks. No. So if it's the beginning of the year and you got a $2,500 deductible, you're going to be paying cash. So just tell them, I'll pay cash. No. Now, then when they agree to a number, say, I want this applied against my deductible. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean they have to file it. They can give you the form if, if they're pissed, you know, because now they got to file it. Mm. Uh, just let them give you the form. You file it yourself. Yep. And some people have health savings accounts. You you might be able to use an HCA kind of thing. Yeah. You know, or HSA, rather. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would at least call them and make them a deal. Yeah, yeah. Now get closer to the mic. You're yeah, make, a, make him a, a deal. Today. Yeah. There you go. That's perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, so do that. Uh, I would say five hundred to seven fifty is the range where you're going to have to pay most places. And call yeah. around. Yep. Get it. now. I don't want a damn discount vasectomy. I don't want discount no. sushi, <laughs> and I don't want a discount vasectomy. So make sure it's a urology office. There are family docs who will do vasectomies. If you're going to go to a non-urologist. Uh, you got to ask them how many have they done, what's their success rate, and what do they do if there's a complication? Who do they refer to? Yeah, and if you're in a city where that where you've got a, a medical school and where they do residencies, especially you know urological residencies, yeah, you, you could get that. It's che- real cheap. You could get that cheap, and <laughs> you know they got to learn somehow. Got to learn, yeah, and they'll have supervisors in there. Yeah, too, absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. And if there's a problem, then the attending will the fix attending it. will jump in, sure. But um, yeah, so there you have lots of options. I really think you can get in for way under a thousand bucks on this one. Mm-hmm. 
Me too. I'll All do right. it for less than that. Yep. Hi, Dr. Steve. I'm wondering about um, a blood test that my physician could possibly um, give me in order for um, – I'm, I'm trying to eliminate foods in my diet. Um, some foods give me indigestion, upset stomach, bloating, uh, loose bowels and stuff. And I've seen a couple blood tests that you can buy at Amazon.com that take uh, five drops of your finger prick blood and you're supposed to get a report back. And I'm just wondering if, if that's okay enough or if a physician can um, have a better blood test. Uh, uh, okay, okay. Um, you can do that. There are okay. now genetic tests that will that purport to tell you what you may be um, uh, sensitive to food-wise. I don't think that's necessary. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Scott was shaking his head, too. Um, You can – there's a thing called an elimination diet. Absolutely. And uh, what it sounds like is you either have irritable bowel syndrome or you could be lactose intolerant. There are other uh, sugars in foods that you could be intolerant to that your body can't break down. So you get bloating and diarrhea and gas because the bacteria are breaking it down and fermenting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gluten sensitivity. And it could be a gluten sensitivity. So you could have celiac yep. disease or uh, you could have something that's more serious like an inflammatory bowel disorder. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I... I think the easiest way to do this is to do an elimination diet yep. where you just back off to a really bland diet till your symptoms go away and then you start adding things back one by one till you figure it out. May I, yeah, I, now, what were you going to say? I was going to say the exact same thing. Oh, okay. I was, I was, I, well, no, no, but what I was going to say is I would suggest start with what I would guess would be the most likely culprit, which are really uh, grains, you know, glutens. Mm-hmm. Start there. You know, just start with, with eliminating breads and, you know, cereals that have, have glutens in them. And that may do it all by itself. Yeah, and uh, uh, gassy vegetables are ones like broccoli and um, uh, beans and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Now, beans. you could try another approach. You could be lactose intolerant. If you drink a lot of milk or eat a lot of cheese, you could just try taking lactate before you eat. If that makes your symptoms go away, lactate is an enzyme. It just replaces the missing lactase enzyme in your stomach. Then then you got your answer. You're lactose intolerant. Yeah, just don't drink milk. You You could try Beano. Mm -hmm. Beano uh, is uh, another set of enzymes that will crack undigestible sugars in things like beans and cauliflower and uh, broccoli and if that fixes it that was the answer good, yep. and so you just you can either avoid those things or you can just take beano with every meal <laughs> but uh i if you want to do something a little more scientific i would do the elimination diet mm-hmm. and uh, talk to your primary care about it uh because if you um have celiac disease they they can test they yes they can test you for that there is a blood test for the antibody Gastroenterologists will go down and do a biopsy of the uh, duodenum uh, and the uh, mucous membrane there, and they can see sort of specific pathologic pathologic changes. If none of this works, then you need to see a gastroenterologist because it may not just be irritable bowel syndrome. You could Mm -hmm. have an inflammatory bowel disease like ulcerative colitis, or you could have Crohn's disease, and that needs to be diagnosed by them, and that needs to be treated. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you have untreated ulcerative colitis, it does increase your uh, chances of getting colon cancer down the road. But mm-hmm. knowing that means you're going to be less likely to get it because you're going to get it treated. Mm-hmm. Okay? So right on. Um, you can try fiddling around with this stuff and then uh, just make sure at some point you get checked. Yep. Okay? Eliminate. Eliminate first. Yep. Save, save your money. But my, my problem uh, – um, and by the way, there's all kinds of stuff for irritable bowel syndrome now mm-hmm. – that are very effective, including IB Guard, which IB is kind of expensive, but it's uh, enter coated peppermint mm-hmm. and uh, it's anti inflammatory at the level of the bowel. It's got some decent data behind it. Uh, there's a, 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 a medical food called Interagam. It's about 90, it used to be 50 bucks a month. It's up to 90 bucks a month now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's what I'm on for my irritable bowel. I only have to take it about once a week, once every two weeks at mm-hmm. this point. Wow. 
and um, it's um, antibodies that actually go in and bind toxins in the bowel <laughs> that um, and it binds them so that they can't come in contact with the bowel wall and they, if they can't come in contact they don't cause inflammation and you don't have irritable bowel syndrome or at least the symptoms of it so mm-hmm. that's something that you could consider as well but all of these are best dealt with under the workup and supervision of your primary care provider yes. and if they need to refer you to a gastroenterologist do it but don't live with this. You don't have – people who are listening to this that have similar symptoms, you do not have to live this way. No. There's a treatment out there for you. We just have to d- nail down what the cause right. is. Right. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. On my scrotum, I have what I could best describe as a small kind of microcalcification that is about two millimeters uh, in diameter. And it seems to be in Ooh, metric. The, like subcutaneous tissue. And Damn. It has not really Give yourself a bigger, bill. But, um, you know, every time I, I grab it or I feel it, um, I'm just getting concerned about it. Uh, anything that you can uh, tell me about that? Is this a normal type thing? Or uh, what, can I, sure. uh, what can I expect? And I, I will say that it does appear white in nature and like i said it seems to be in the in the subcutaneous tissue okay no i think he nailed it it's a scrotal calcification is the most likely thing if it's not growing and it hasn't grown for years it's uh almost zero malignant potential these things generally are benign there are some people that get bunches of them it's called scrotal calcinosis i encourage you to google that because it's pretty outstanding mm-hmm. how these people's scrotums look like they've got a bag of marbles in there. And it, it, most of the time these are subcutaneous, meaning that the, you know it's under the top layers of skin. Uh, since it's bothering him, though, you know, a lot of people, they just have it and it never changes, it doesn't bother him. Since it's bothering him, a urologist could remove that really easily. Mm-hmm. Or they may go, ah, it ain't anything, and reassure you that you don't have to worry about it. All right? All right, you got anything, Dr. Scott? Uh, I like it. I had a couple of uh, um, medical news stories, but we'll save it for next time. We did uh, too many, uh, can't do too many uh, uh, medical questions, so we did okay. Hey, don't forget uh, stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com. For all your Amazon needs, it really does make a huge difference, and we really appreciate your use of stuff.drsteve.com. You can scroll down, see all the things we talk about on the show. Don't forget tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID for 33% off the best earbuds for the money on the uh, Internet and also the best customer service anywhere. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. You got anything new on there? No, just that sinus spray. Yeah, sinus spray is the greatest thing yeah. ever made. Good stuff. Uh, I got to give you props on that. Um, don't forget pre. Oh, if you had a premium membership before, I Im- implore you to go to premium.drsteve.com and sign back up. You don't have it anymore unless you've signed back up in the last little bit. And, and to incentivize you to sign back up, because I screwed up and accidentally turned the. Uh, uh, the premium membership off and deleted everybody's accounts. Uh, uh, use the offer code FLUID for that, and you'll get a huge discount on the first three months. It's already cheap. It's buck ninety nine a month. You get access to all the archives. If we can get back up anywhere close to where we were before, I promise to put some interesting premium content in the premium channel. But until then, you have all our previous premium uh, episodes plus. You have all the archives of all of our shows from uh, Riotcast Rules on. All right? Very good. Thank you for doing that. It's premium.drsteve.com. Thanks. Always go to Dr. Scott. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Eric Nagel, uh, Roland Campos. Hello, Bob. Bob in Florida. Hugh Jasshole. Stu Padasso. Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy. I'm doing a very terrible Riley Martin uh, impression. Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, Fizz Watley, who's early supported this show, has never gone on appreciated. See, I forget the good ones that they spoofed Riley with. I know they hit him with huge asshole and the <laughs> the uh, the ever inimitable 
a stew pedasso. <laughs> anyway, Eton Twats, that's my favorite one. <laughs> Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM, channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.